When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Crash of the Beach 2000, in many ways, was the last hurrah of WCW. When I say last hurrah, I mean kick right in the balls. I mean, there's loads of these, but given that four years prior to this, we had the birth of the New World Order, and then in 2000, we had whatever the hell this was. Well, I don't know. It's just WCW, isn't it? And I shall do my best to explain this as well, but my word, it's going to be tricky. But basically, Jeff Jarrett, Vince Russo and Hulk Hogan all decided to get together to do the biggest work shoot of work shoots. But then somehow in the process of doing it, worked themselves into a shoot. I mean, how ridiculous is this? And this is why it's so hard to explain. Like, I'm sure that Hulk Hogan was involved with it up to a certain extent. But given that he sued World Championship Wrestling five years after this... Well, I don't think you do that. I don't think anyone's coming up with a story and then going, <laughs> once the company's dead in 2005, I will go to court and will really trick people. I mean, by then, you're just basically punching yourself in the face. Here is the deal, though, and we'll talk about it more when we get to the actual match in the rundown of the card. But yes, Jeff Jarrett, Hulk Hogan, Eric Bishop and Vince Russo all had a meeting before Bash at the Beach 2000 where they said, okay, here's what we're going to do, Hulk. Jeff Jarrett, you're going to lay down. Hogan, you walk in there and go, oh, what's going on, brother? You put his foot on his chest. We go, one, two, three and for a few minutes at least we will crown you the brand new WCW champion. Later on Russo returned though to cut a promo in the ring saying oh Hulkster you're the S word you're an absolute piece of trash which apparently Hogan had no idea about and this is when the door of death started to swing open. And also do not forget that nobody else on the WCW roster knew what was going on because in the infinite wisdom management wanted to trick them as well. So this is just taking trust and sticking it up your ass. Hogan went on the Bubba the Love Sponge radio show after this, but at that point he was saying dumb stuff like, oh, I'd wrap my fist in blades, brother, in case I had to, and also that he wanted to appear on Raw, even though he was still under contract. So once again, you just want to open the window and go, ah, when talking about this, because it hurts your brain. And you are likely scratching your head now, even though I'm doing my best, because ultimately it doesn't make any sense. Now, the long-term plan, was that we were basically going to split the company in two again and do brand warfare, but it was going to be old WCW versus new WCW and Eric Bischoff would be in charge of one and Vince Rosa would be in charge of the other. But we didn't get to that and instead, around about eight months after this, WCW was dead. And that's not to say this couldn't have worked, but don't forget, the idea is always, well, this thing you're watching now is real and everything else you have been watching is BS you absolute stupid fan. However, anyway, in front of 6,500 people in Florida, which also kind of sums up the state of the company, let's up those downs 
for Bash of the Beach 2000. Right, imagine you had spent $50, whatever the hell it was, of your hard-earned cash on the Bash of the Beach pay-per-view, and the first thing you saw was Ernest the Cat Miller getting out of a limo and then being attacked by ninjas. And I'm not kidding either. This is also played for laugh and Ernest just takes his hand and his fist and his leg and starts whacking them all in the testicle region. And I actually thought about turning it off. That's right, and it's basically free for me because I pay for the WW Network anyway. But my brain said to me, Simon, I don't know what you're doing here, but please go and do something else. And I'd say, listen to me, brain, we have to do this for work. Unbelievable. This goes on throughout the whole show as well, to the point I'm not gonna reference it again because each skit was worse than the last. And then we cut to the commentators who call it sports entertainment. And I started going, and that's right, I could smell the stench. Vince Russo had arrived. With all of that said, in 2000, the whole format for WCW was basically the same as it always had been. The main event was always absolutely crazy, but when you got to the undercard, especially the opening match, usually, or at least nine times out of 10, somebody would pull a banger out of nowhere. And it was kind of the same here. Because you had Juventud Guerrera taking on Lieutenant Loco. And before you go, wait a minute, that's the greatest name ever. And you'd be completely right. Loco is actually Chavo Guerrero. And you know it's Chavo Guerrero. But now you have to call him Lieutenant Loco. And while this is really enjoyable and makes you go, oh, hey, look, this is the kind of wrestling we're going to be enjoying more in 2021. What drags this down is you do have to put up with the Filthy Animals group. And you have to put up with the Misfits in action. And if you don't know who MIA were... One of the guys was called General Rection, and their female member was called Major Guns. I'm just gonna let you figure it out for yourself. Why this really falls apart though, is even though the referee has said to both groups, you need to go to the back, they just returned here wearing masks, and here are the two problems I have with it. For starters, commentator Mark Madden has no idea who this is meant to be, and while I'm sure he's trying to channel his inner Bobby the Brain Heenan, he is not Bobby the Brain Heenan, and also two, the referee is like, oh no, what's going on? What does it matter? It doesn't matter if they are the misfits in action or the filthy animals, all you need to know is that people are about to upend this match, do something about it. It then absolutely hits a brick wall because do you know why Guerrero loses? Because Major Guns flashes him and Lieutenant Loco or Chavo, whatever the hell we're calling him, hits a tornado DDT and wins. I just took my fist and started doing this at this stage. I know I do that a lot. Help. So he just gets spoiled towards the end there and is getting it down. Jeff Jarrett is then hanging out with a Viking. I don't know what to tell you. He's also talking to Ernest the Cat Miller, who was the general manager at the time. And yes, in the corner, there is just a female Viking going, oh, 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 and just singing. I was like, WCW is not a good wrestling show. He then comes back later on when Mike Awesome tries to chat her up. And that's because at this period, Mike Awesome was like the fat chick thriller or whatever the hell they were calling him, or basically somebody who would find overweight females and hit on them. Why do you make me do this? Why when I ask you suggestions, do you pick absolute crap like this? A hardcore match then follows, and I bet you're thinking, well, not even WCW could screw up a hardcore match. Well, you silly, silly goose, you are absolutely incorrect. And you kind of know this instantly, given who is in the damn thing. It's meant to be Big Vito taking on Norman Smiley, but for some reason, Norman goes, oh, hey, I'm with Ralphus, who, of course, used to be Chris Jericho's security guard, and I want it to be a handicap bat. Now, look, all fair play to Ralphus for making sure he got paid and got himself in this situation, but this was a joke by 
by Chris Jericho. He had seen a real security guard and gone, oh, you look a bit slovenly and a bit disgusting. Wouldn't it be funny if you were my comedy sidekick? And here we are years later, and he's still featuring on the damn show. It's also not good at all. At one point, Norman Smiley gets locked in an elevator, which leaves Ralphus in the ring, where Big Vito just hits him with as many different weapons as he can, and every single one will make you shudder, given what we know in the present day. Vito also smashes him right in the penis with a baseball bat, and that just looked absolutely horrific. And what was I meant to take away from this? Ralphus had been presented as somebody that I could beat, so why the hell am I impressed that Big Vito is doing it with a bunch of objects? It then completely falls apart because he goes to splash the man through a table, but when he sets the table up, it's already broken. So the fact that he re-breaks it, what's the point? This is like me eating a pizza and then someone else coming and shoving more cheese on toast in my face. You're like, I don't need this. I've already experienced it. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to go on. Point is, it's getting a doubt. Goldberg was then seen arriving at the arena. And do not forget, if it wasn't for Bill Goldberg in 1998, WCW may have died a lot quicker than it actually did. And here, he is holding onto Scott Hall's contract, which just has giant letters going, Scott Hall, written so you can see it. And of course, he's going to take on Kevin Nash tonight to see whether or not Scott Hall remains employed. I mean, let that sink in for one quick second. This was WCW's version of Stone Cold Steve Austin, and this is what we were doing with him, and we were basically presenting him as a bad guy. We then cut to Kevin Nash, who's like, oh man, Scott Hall is my best friend, I've got to go out with her and make sure he doesn't get fired. Once again, I got the remote, and I was threatening to do it. Daphne was then on Bash of the Beach 2000. I don't want to skirt around this, because I think sometimes after we go on from a tragedy, we forget the horrible, horrible news. If you are feeling down, if you are feeling sad, if you really feel like you need to talk to somebody, please do it. It doesn't matter who it is. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a medical professional, tell a counsellor. Remember, you haven't done anything wrong, and everything is going to be okay. Someone is always around the corner willing to help. Because that's what's important in life. Wrestling, just wrestling, just some stupid thing that we talk about a few times a week but unfortunately this was Daphne and WCW in 2000 and WCW didn't do her any favors because they weren't doing any favors for anyone I mean it was like they were actively trying to be terrible and this has Vince Russo's fingerprints all over it because it is Daph taking on Miss Hancock or Stacey Keebler in an evening gown ball match or whatever and this one doesn't even have a finish. In fact, the only reason I can tell you to watch this is because you have a weird fetish and you enjoy seeing David Flair get hit in the balls. Because that just happens over and over again. And the referee's in there, he gets hit in the balls, and then Crowbar, who was with Daphne at the time, he runs in the ring and he's just causing shenanigans. When Miss Hancock or Stacey Keeler just gets the mic and goes, you know what, I'm bored of all of this. I know what you want. You want to see me strip. So why don't I just take off all my clothes and we can have a good time. And there's so much more I haven't talked about either. The fact that there is a bunch of obvious spots which are meant to make you go, oh, it looks like a blowjob. The fact that Crowbar starts strangling people with his pants. The fact that at one point Crowbar goes, oh, well, I am here. I may as well start shaving people's heads. I can only imagine the poor person that decided Bash at the Beach 2000 should be their first ever wrestling pay-per-view. I bet they never watched again. Down. They're already giving it down, but it's one down, but down. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Chronic versus The Perfect Event was next, or Brian Clark and Brian Adams taking on Sean Stasiak and Chuck Palumbo. Now, as I've said time and time again, we grade ups and downs on a curve, so somewhat astonishingly, this is getting it up. And you still shouldn't watch it because it plods along like a damn tortoise, and Clark is clearly injured so he can't do much of anything, but they don't really make any mistakes. It's a perfectly fine tag team match. You get a title change at the end of it, which the crowd enjoys. So if you're looking to be entertained, to some degree, this is where you would start. I personally liked it because every time I get to see Sean Stasiak on my screen, I am transported back to 2000 when I went to a WCW live event and I saw him standing at the rampway. Given my seat, he'd be able to hear me and my friend. So we took our hands and went like this. And because we're absolute nimrods, we started to shout, meet, meet. Because of course, that's what he was called in the WWE. And he turned to us and he stared and he had the saddest look ever on his face. And to be honest with you, I've never gotten over it. It ends with this cool clothesline combo though, and it's nice to see Stasiak and Plumbo be like, oh my gosh, we won, we did it, hooray, hooray. I mean, it's fine. It's nothing, but it's fine. Thankfully, it was then Chris Canyon versus Booker T, who are both very, very good wrestlers. WCW still couldn't just let you have a one-on-one match, so there's so much I have to talk about. The first being that Vince Russo had gone to Booker T and said, hey, you should start calling yourself The Book and basically act like The Rock the whole time, and it was the least transparent thing you've ever seen in your life. But also, two, Chris Canyon was pretending to be Diamond Dallas Page here and also carrying around a book that had a brick in it. I mean, how the hell is that what you come up with when you have an Ukrainian? It also basically means that Chris Canyon's idea here was to try and kill people because you can't smack him in the head with a brick, even though he does do that to Booker T here, who just kicks out. How can you get away with this? We've already seen a hardcore match, but here we're using flipping construction tools and it's absolutely fine. The commentators make this even worse because they say that Booker T was playing possum. And I was like, what are you talking about playing possum? How could a man who's been hit by a brick been playing possum? If you take a brick and you smash into someone's skull and they pretend to be hurt, then you should marry them because it's probably Superman. We were never gonna let somebody win cleanly because of course not, it's WCW in 2000, so from nowhere. 
Jeff Jarrett just runs to the ring with his guitar. He absolutely smashes it over Booker T's back. That allows Chris Canyon to win. And look, this would tie into the end of the show, but you don't know it at this juncture. And I'm pretty sure if you go through every other match that I've talked about, not one of them doesn't end without some kind of shenanigans. However, when they were allowed to grapple, it was still good. This is the hill that I'm going to die on. You won't believe this either. But next up, it was Scott Steiner versus Mike Awesome, who's all like, oh my gosh, I love fat tricks are the best thing ever. But if you move away from all that crap, which is what you have to do, once again, these are two very good professional wrestlers. And Steiner at this point was just an absolute loon. But I'm still giving it up. It's just made so hard to enjoy because of the ludicrous stipulations. For some reason, Ernest the Cat Miller had decided, Scott Steiner, you're not allowed to use the Steiner recliner anymore. So when he does go to unit, Ernest the Cat Miller then arrives and he's like, no, no, if you do, I'm going to disqualify you and I will take the US belt away from you because at the time Scott Steiner was the US jab. This is big Papa Pump though. He's not going to listen to a stupid feline. So he just walks over there and he smacks Ernest right in the face. Then he gets back in the ring. He hits a powerbomb for a pretty good near fall. And then we take out the referee. We take out the referee as if we hadn't had enough silliness. This just allows Cat to get in there properly though, but he is flipping useless. He tries to attack Steiner. He completely misses. He smacks Mike Awesome instead. And then because he's so fed up with the situation, he just goes ding, 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 ring the bell. It's a disqualification. And this isn't Nitro or some poxy house show. This is a pay-per-view that you went in your pocket and threw money at the TV screen. Afterwards too, Steiner gives Mike awesome is suplex and i swear he broke his head i know what i said a minute ago and it can stay but it also can't get away with everything else it did do and that's why it's got to get it down next up was vampiro versus the demon in a graveyard match and if you are actually going to watch bash at the beach 2000 please listen to uncle simon and wind forward. Also, hands up who thought cinematic matches were invented in 2021. You would be absolutely incorrect because this was basically a cinematic match. And I'm sure some of you are going, oh, it's called a graveyard match. I bet the Boneyard match was inspired by it. Well, yes, but the Boneyard match was really, really good. And this is utterly shit. WWE's version also had production values, which is really important because here you can't see what's going on because it's so dark. That's why I think Vampiro kidnapped Asia, who was like the demon's right-hand lady and also, yes, was a play on words because of China. But I couldn't tell you for sure because, again, the whole thing is just so damn dark. She was then acting like she was dead when Vampiro pops out of a casket and he spits goo into the demon's face and he hits him with a tombstone. I don't mean the Undertaker's finishing move. I mean, he gets a literal tombstone and he smacks him right in the head. Vampiro then just walks off, which I guess kind of does make sense because the commentators the whole time had told us, oh, the way to win this match is to leave the graveyard and make it back to the arena. But again, think of that. It's a graveyard match, whatever the hell they were calling it. They were this spooky dookie graveyard and you have to try and incapacitate your opponent so you can take a walk down the road. I'm done. I'm done. Ding. I'm pushing my button and I'm going down in my elevator. How'd this make it onto TV? This was actually signed off and made it to television. Down. Shane Douglas versus Buff Bagwell followed. Shenanigans every single damn match. Down. Because halfway through, Tori Wilson walks out and this is exactly what happens. For starters, she slaps Shane Douglas. Okay, she's aligning with Buff Bagwell. But Buff Bagwell decides, oh, well, she's alive with me. This means I can kiss her. Tori Wilson is like, no. So she slams him in the balls. So I was like, wait a minute, what? Why are you even here? Bagwell then goes for the blockbuster, but Tori stops him doing that, which allows Shane Douglas to hit a reverse DDT and win. 
and then Tori and Shane Douglas leave together. This was actually my face. I was just staring at the TV, completely confused. I was like, how? And even the commentators were like, well, I don't know, you tell me. It's like, no, you tell me, that's your entire job. But how was anyone meant to understand this? How was this gonna make new fans? Of course, that's the joke. WCW in 2000 wasn't making new fans. It was getting a bat and chasing all the old ones off. Compared to what came after it though, this may as well have been Savage versus Steamboat. Now, as I said during the intro, bear with me as much as you possibly can and I will try and explain to you Hulk Hogan versus Jeffers Jarrett. Now, throughout Bash of the Beach 2000, we kept being told, oh, we don't know whether Hulk Hogan is here. We don't know whether Hulk Hogan wants to turn up at the event. And the hint was, oh, maybe Hulk Hogan doesn't want to do the job for J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T. So you're like, oh, man, something's going to happen. And finally, they all come out here after the longest entrances you've ever seen in your life, as does Vince Russo, who tells Jeff Jarrett to lay down and then tells Hulk Hogan to take his foot and pin him to get the one, two, three, because Hulk Hogan has played his creative control card. Russo throws the belt in the ring, the referee counts three, it's meant to be a shoot brother, and I was like, eh, go and flub yourself. And then Jarrett just gets to his feet and he storms off like he's actually pissed off. And I was just like hitting myself in the stomach. I thought about doing a Kano Mortal Kombat and ripping the heart out of my chest. But I didn't do that because that would be a way too much of an exaggeration. Hogan also turns to Vince Russo and says it's a bunch of BS and he didn't want it to go down this way. And then once again, the commentators are told to basically tell us the rest of the show has been an utter lie, but this is the truth, so why did you pay your money? And Mark Madden especially makes this so frustrating he's like, see, I told you, Hulk Hogan since day one has been a backstage menace. And oh, I just, uh, and you think this would be the moment that WCW died, but they had done so much before this, it was basically bleeding out and this was someone just coming in there with a knife and finishing it off. It's just then so messy because Vampiro is back and a bunch of dudes in sting masks come out with a casket and I think at one point maybe it was Sting that did attack him but then I think maybe it was somebody else and then you see Hulk Hogan leaving with Nick Hogan to make it feel like a shoot brother. I'm not gonna lie, I know I shouldn't say this on YouTube but I had to, I said it on my couch, I said it here, I was like fuck off. Fuck off WCW, you absolute piece of trash for putting all this together and throwing it into my life. Russo then returns and that's when I switched off and started thinking about what I had for breakfast and he starts throwing down Hulk Hogan saying it wasn't WCW's fault as once again you're meant to believe that the company is just collapsing from the inside and look I'm a super nerd I should love this kind of a stuff but I didn't because while in theory it was good the execution is pants Russo is also concerned that you're never going to see Hulk Hogan again which was not part of the plan but lo and behold this is what happened and I don't know it's just crap it's just so crap and it goes on for ages and this was after Vince Russo I go, yo, bro, I'll make sure I'm never a television character. Yeah, right. And going back to that thing I talked about earlier when it was meant to be faction versus faction, so basically a new WCW versus NWO, it's here where Vinny says, oh, that's why I'm going to bring out a new world championship and we're going to have a new main event between Booker T and Jeff Jarrett. Again, eventually Bischoff and Hogan would have returned. It didn't happen, but I stand on my ceremony, Mr. Wayne. That's not what I meant to say. It just came out. This does not work and it also doesn't just get a down it gets a brow down. I regret doing the noise. Then you get another swerve. In fact, you get two swerves, but one of them isn't part of the story. It's just WW going, oh yeah, you want to come into my house? I'll kick you out. Down. But it is indeed Goldberg versus Kevin Nash to see if Scott Hall's going to be able to return to the company. And despite the fact that WCW kept promoting the fact that Scott Hall was going to be at Bat of the Beach, 
Of course, he's not there at all. And you just know Law of Averages tells you this. At least one person would have put their money down to see Razor Ramon and they get nothing. It's not right. But the other swerve comes in the form of Scott Steiner. Now, this only goes five minutes, not in a cool Goldberg at his peak way when he would just destroy fools. Kevin Nash and Bill basically do nothing when all of a sudden Scott Steiner is out here and he stops Kevin Nash from hitting the powerbomb. Goldberg hits the spear. Goldberg hits the jackhammer. He wins, tears up the contract, no Scott Hall, and Steiner and Goldberg are now some kind of faction. The Buff Brothers. I don't know. Or Jack Jacks. You could have called them that, the Jack Jacks, and changed their name to Jack. I'm running out of words. This has never happened on Retro Ups and Downs or any Ups and Downs, but I don't know what to tell you other than to repeat myself once again and say it's just so, so bad. And the reason fans were getting so mad about it is if you go through every single pay-per-view in 2000 to the main event, which is basically what this was, they all ended like this, with a run-in or with a trick. You weren't getting any clean finishes and it was becoming exhausting. Also, you're now probably asking yourself, wait a minute, if Scott Steiner just rang in the ring, why wasn't it a disqualification? I don't know. Even the referee goes, when it happens, and he reacts to this, so he's seen it, and he still makes the pinfall. So let's just rewind. Why did we do a hardcore match earlier with no DQs if every single match was essentially no DQ? I tell you, it wears you out. I'm starting to sweat here. We still have one match to go. Because the actual, actual main event is Booker T versus Jeff Jarrett for the new world championship. And once again, it is more than fine up. WCW still tries to piss you off because you get a ref bump here. And then when the official is getting back to his feet, Jeff Jarrett just grabs him and gives him the stroke, so takes him out again. And I suppose they did this to really make you think that he wasn't going to lose the championship. However, Booker T hits the bookend. A new referee appears from nowhere. He counts the one, two, three. This is a really nice moment. This is a really good moment. In 2000, Booker T deserved way more than he was actually getting. So to coronate him and put him on top of the card was exactly the right thing to do. The only real shame is that 24 hours later on Nitro, all of a sudden, like I say, Booker T was just the rock. And I bet Vince Russo was going, yeah, bro, I know what to do. But I'm going to forget about that because even as that character, he still did a good job because Booker T was a good professional wrestler. And we finished with Dave Veltz's Wrestling Observer Newsletter ratings so you could have a second opinion or make it out for yourself. Loco versus Juve got three stars and it was good under the interference. Vito versus Norman Smiley got a dud. Daphne versus Miss Hancock got minus one star. Chronic versus Palumbo and Meat got half a star. Canyon versus Booker T got three stars. Awesome versus Steiner got three and a quarter stars. The Graveyard match got minus two stars. Douglas versus Bagwell got two stars. Hogan versus Jeff. He didn't give any stars. What the hell is he going to do? Goldberg versus Nash got half a star. What is this reality we're living with? And Booker versus Jarrett three stars. And you probably figured it out, but this this is going on to the worst wrestling pay-per-views ever board, and I'm going to put it in the number three position. Don't know why, just feels like it's that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.